This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Kate Andrews and Fraser Nelson as we go through the autumn statement. So Kate, to begin, the headline measures, talk us through. There are a few. The Chancellor said that this was an autumn statement for growth and he insisted at the start of his statement that this wasn't going to be focused on big government or tax rises, it was going to be the opposite. We certainly did get tax cuts. I think the major one is the employee cut to national insurance. National insurance has essentially become a second income tax because it it isn't really hypothecated towards the NHS or anything else. It just goes in to the general pot. And for your uh, average salaried employee, that's going to be a 450 pound saving yearly. It's thought to cost billions of pounds, but the idea behind this is that it is a tax on jobs, and it's one of the many measures that makes the OBR think that by the end of the forecast, you're going to have 200,000 new jobs in the economy. The other big tax that we have is full expensing. This one, I think, is really quite exciting because uh, it, you know, it seems very technical. What it's essentially doing is it's allowing companies to write off their capital investments against their corporation tax. But the idea behind this is if you want companies to invest, first of all, in manufacturing and buildings and the rest of it, but then really in people. People, you have to give them reason to do so. This was an expensive tax cut, nine billion pounds, the largest ever for business, the chancellor said, and uh, he used a hefty chunk of his fiscal room to do so. That fiscal headroom was much bigger than expected. It was about 27 billion pounds. Originally, it was going to be a quarter of that, and Jeremy Hunt spent nearly all of it on these cuts on welfare reform, which I know Fraser wants to talk about as well. The difficulty in the narrative, however, is that while he's talking about tax cuts, if you look at the overall tax burden because of stealth taxes, that freeze to the personal threshold because of fiscal drag, millions more people getting dragged into higher rates of tax, the tax burden is still going up. It's still approaching that record post-war high. So whilst the government's going to be very excited to talk about their tax cuts, they're not going to want to talk about the tax burden that hasn't shifted. Now, Fraser, we'll get into the details of the tax burden shortly, but I suppose to begin with, it seems ministers wanted this to be a budget for workers. How does the uh, decisions on welfare play into that? Um, Well, there's really good intent in both of these things. They want, they like workers, so they think, okay, we're going to do some very politically difficult reforms. And they are. They're going to make it a lot harder to get into the highest category uh, of welfare, which is deemed incapable to do any work. I mean, a while ago, there were just 3,000 people a month in this category. More recently, it has been up to 30,000 people a month. So this has really ballooned over the last 10 years. Now, it's very difficult to... Um, change the rules for these so-called work capability assessments. Deeply controversial. So they've said today, for example, they're going to just tighten the regulations. So if you've got restricted mobility, then they're going to say, well, actually, you can still be expected to find some kind of work. And other things that they're going to do to make it tougher. But when you look at the Office for Budget Responsibility document, to me, this is quite an important one because it tells you, well, the government made all these promises. What's the effect going to be? And nowadays, well, for the last 10 years, when the budgets are done, the OBR gives its verdict. Now, the OBR says that right now there are 2.8 million Brits claiming some kind of sickness benefit. By the end of the decade, that's going to go up to 3.4 million. 
Now that's just such a staggering rise. More than half a million people extra are going to end up on sickness benefits. So the, the rise, by the way, might have been even higher if it were not for the, um, the government's reforms. But then again, also have a look at the, um, the small print here. And the OBR basically says that it's going to shift people from one category of benefits to another, but there's still going to be an out-of-work benefits. There's very little um, increase of uh, workers in the working market. Now, Jeremy Hunt made an interesting bar about Labour during his speech. He was saying, look, I know you guys, effectively, you want to rely on immigrants to grow the workforce. Well, we want to unlock the talents of our people at home. Now, politically, he's exactly right. That's a very fair point. But practically, the Conservatives are the ones who are taking in something like a million immigrants a year. We're going to get figures on this tomorrow. Um, Not net. Total. Yes, of course not net, but that's still a lot of people taking it. Now, my point is, if they weren't coming in, the government would be forced to work a lot harder than it is doing on trying to get the 5.5 million people on now to work benefits into the workforce. Now, I can feel Kate rolling her eyes a little bit at this, because I do, you know, I, 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 I'm teased within the office for going on about this the whole time. I've written another leading article in this for the next magazine, and they were joking I should just take the one from four months ago and update it with two different figures, etc. Who would know? But you, you wrote it from scratch, just to check. Well, I did, but I still genuinely... Readers getting good value for money, this writing it again. is the most important point in our politics. We, I mean, I, I, I just can't... I find it hard to comprehend how we can be running an economy where we've got a worker shortage crisis, and yet we've somehow managed to conspire to have 18% of Manchester, 20% of Liverpool on out-of-work benefits. And we, nobody talks as if this is like a problem. So the headline of the leading article in The Spectator is going to be the welfare monster, because the welfare state has now become too much of a monster to control. It's sucking in people, it's um, stymieing life chances. And the government, I don't think Mel Stride, the work and pension secretary, could do any more than he's done. He's going full hilt with the constraints, but even going full hilt will do nothing other than increase, slow the increase, the very substantial increase of a welfare state which now looks out of control. And Kate, on the subject of the welfare state, there were other decisions on uprating benefits and mm -hmm. the pensions triple lock. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Chancellor decided to uprate benefits at the more generous September rate of 6.7%, uh, which I think makes sense because given the fact that we are amid a cost of living crisis, it would have been extremely difficult, I think, for the Chancellor not to have made that decision and probably an unfair one as well. The trickier one is the triple lock on the state pension. The Conservatives have once again kicked that can down the road. They have once again said we are respecting the triple lock in full uh, and raising it by that, that higher rate as well. They could have opted for a smaller rate rise, chose not to. And this is this is politically difficult for the Conservative government, not least because a lot of their voters benefit from the triple lock, but that costs £30 billion. Now let's put that in context. The biggest tax cut in history for business costs £9 billion. The fiscal headroom, which was substantially more than anyone thought, was £27 billion. And keeping the triple lock, that costs £30 billion. If, if you want to understand why public debt is still such an issue, why the deficit next year is going to be well over £100 billion, look at what we're spending. The Chancellor has been very cautious by cutting tax in a way that the OBR is going to score it so that unlike last autumn, the bond markets don't freak out, international investors don't start getting nervous. But if you look at that public sector net debt figure, 
the chancellor is meeting his own target, which is incredibly loose, to have debt falling as a percentage of GDP in the fifth year of a rolling forecast, barely. And the OBR is interesting on this. It, it basically it doesn't read as if they're convinced he's going to meet his target because the only way he meets it at the end of a five-year rolling period is if he decides to stop freezing fuel duty. Uh, this is one of his five pledges, This is one it? of his five. Well, the actually, it's two now, this. two of eight, because there are more pledges now. But right. he keeps repeating, <laughs> reducing but the debt. But this is to cut debt. And we find out that in cash terms, debt isn't being cut at all. Oh, certainly and, not. And as a percentage of GDP, it's only going to start falling in five years' time. It goes up. In theory, it comes down. But the OBR points out it only comes down if you cut fuel duty. Now, what chancellor has cut fuel duty? Is Jeremy Hunt really going to cut fuel duty or is he going to keep freezing it? Is any conservative going to be in power in four years' time? That's a different question. But, you know, I think the point here is that we are still spending a heck of a lot of money in some areas like operating benefits. I think you can understand why. But when it comes to something like the state pension and, and the fact that for a fifth of pensioners, which are millionaires, they're still receiving that, if the government isn't going to tackle that, this is maybe the takeaway of the budget for the autumn statement for me. Uh, if the chancellor isn't going to tackle that, then you are going to get tax cuts, but only in the framework of an extremely high tax, high spend state. And it's one that the Tories are actually solidifying. At this stage, I think it's funny, of course, that how much can you take this budget in face value? Realistically, are you going to take any conservative credibly when they say what they're going to do in the year 2026? The bookmakers say that there's a 10% chance the Conservatives are winning the next election, in which case we shouldn't really see this as a genuine economic plan. We should see this as furnishing the Tories for, with an election pledge. That election pledge will say to older voters, we will increase your pensions by quite a lot. We are going to keep the treble lock. I can't imagine the Labour Party will copy that. So here, when you... When you when you look at the actual increase in pensions, here on the Spectator Data Hub, we've got this, this graph about ben- benefits expenditure, which shows this absolute surge, which it would have in the next four or five years if this thing were to, to go ahead. So it goes from £140 billion a year to £160 billion, a really big increase. I don't think any government can really afford that increase. And I'm not sure that this is a pledge you would make if you genuinely expected to be in power for the next four years. So I think from now on, of course, the Conservatives need to govern as if they were to win the next election. But when we are working out, to when we talk to our readers and our viewers about what to genuinely expect, then I think re- right now we're, there's two categories. There's things that they can actually do before the next election. And beyond that, there are what you might call suggestions to the next Labour government about what they might want to do with, with welfare reform. And I do. if anybody's interested, we've got data.spectator.co.uk. We've got a whole bunch of um, figures here, which um, we lovingly put together, but I do think managed to cut through a lot of um, reporting so people can see for themselves what the forecasts are likely to be and how credible they think this is, that any government would continue with this hugely generous... And by the way, the other thing that Labour would not be able to do is afford the huge welfare increase. We haven't really heard... Um, from Labour any welfare reform agenda. So this is an almighty nettle that somebody's going to have to grasp sooner or later. Kate, on the point Fraser just made about whether the Tories are actually preparing for a fifth term, which if you look at the polls appears unlikely, but some around Rishi Sunak say he continues to think that things could turn around. And we've had many political upsets over the years. If we think back to this time last year, Jeremy Hunt announced tax rises but also spending cuts. 
but a lot of those spending cuts are after the election. Does that have much impact in terms of what we can expect from the government? Do you think it is coherent that a Tory government would actually do those spending cuts or Labour would do them? Well, I think there are two questions there. Do they want to do them or is their hand going to be forced to do them based on other money that they might like to spend? I think what's become very clear post-pandemic as we continue to spend um, crazy sums of money on day-to-day spending, not emergency spending anymore, is that something's going to give quite soon. So if you have some grand tax cut in mind, maybe if you're a Tory, if you want to put substantial money into a certain public service, maybe if you're Labour, it isn't so easy anymore just to say we'll borrow it and it's certainly not easy with the tax burden where it is to say we'll tax it. You are going to have to look at spending cuts but I think the important point you're making, Katie, is it's always really easy to promise spending cuts when you might not have to be the one to deliver them or you might not have to deliver them at all. And, you know, I, I think it's it was very clear in this budget that the narrative was going to be tax cuts and the Tories were very nervous about any kind of spending cut. I mean, Jeremy Hunt credit to him, he's balanced this in quite an interesting way. You know, he, he has found that fiscal headroom and he's managed to deliver this without slashing major parts of the state, right? But the irony is that this fiscal headroom was found through higher tax receipts that he and the prime minister have got because Rishi Sunak decided to freeze, freeze those personal allowance thresholds. And of course, we've had inflation, which has been disastrous. And they're very clear on that. They, they wanted to have inflation. They wanted to bring it down. But it is the combination of those two factors that has brought in these record high tax receipts. And now they're saying, well, we're going to undo all of that. This is obviously not a sustainable way in the future to have the revenue you need for core public services and also to to deliver sustainable tax cuts. So, you know, you could very much view this autumn statement as the start of essentially every piece of public policy being framed in terms of an election. The Tories' narrative is a bit clearer now. It's on work. You know, the fact that they focus in on the tax on jobs, NI, and they focus in on welfare reform, they focus in on capital investment and business investment. They want to talk about work and growth. Is it too late will be a question that's going to be asked. Is it enough? And is it really sustainable? And Fraser, just finally, when you look at the national insurance cut Mm. for um, earners who Mm. are on staff, it's coming into effect in January, which Mm. is earlier than I think most would expect. January 6th, Epiphany. Yes, a slightly different January 6th. Um, But it's led some to think uh, that there could actually be a spring election after all Mm. if you are rushing it through. What's your sense of that? Do you think it is a sign that numbers hen are at least trying to keep their options open? I suppose every Prime Minister likes to think that they have options, but if you look at the opinion polls right now, and a spring election would very likely uh, see two-thirds of Tories lose their seats. You, you wrote this in the magazine a couple of weeks ago, Katie, about the number of opportunities that he has to change the narrative, and today could have been one of these changes. Had I think they would like today to be remembered as a kind of tax cut long-term decisions. There was no doubt, but the welfare cut decisions is long-term. The business investment is very unsexy, but still this is a serious long-term decision. But against this, you've got these millions of people now who are going to be caught in income tax. Um, now, I think, of course, you can say that uh, if you the national insurance cut will be worth, what is it, Kate, £350 a year for an average worker? £450. £450, right? So that's a lot. But there are going to be, and I'll leave you with one graph, if I may, the, the OBR um, shows how many more people a year are going to be hauled into paying. Like, quite a lot of people earn so little they don't pay income tax at all. 
Four million more people are going to be paying income tax. Four million. These are some of the poorest, lowest paid people in the country. That's pretty significant. There's going to be three million more people trapped in the forty, the higher 40p rate. So then that's quite a lot. These aren't particularly well-paid people that are still going to be taxed like the high earners. And then we're going to get um, almost half a million people more in the 45p rate. So if you are about to be caught, if you're one of the millions of people about to be caught in one of these tax threshold rises, then the national insurance cut um, will be relatively small compared to the fact that you're going to be paying significantly more tax on your income. And that's not because you've managed to get a far better paying job, because you're simply trying to, to keep pace with inflation. So the fiscal drag, I'm very pleased the OBR has done this, because as journalists, it's our job to present a balanced side of, this, of the budget. And the budget is a balance between national insurance tax cuts, some business tax cuts, but some pr- the thresholds mean personal tax increases amounting to something like £45 billion. That's a massive tax raise at rise, and it's one that's going to, um, you know, which basically makes overall this to be a government which is still, even now, taking the highest taxes in almost post-war history and making them higher still. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Kate.